from New York City. A podcast from working actors, directors, and playwrights. This is the Cry Havoc Company. This episode of the Cry Havoc Podcast was made possible by a gift from Don Zalitis. Hello, and welcome to the Cry Havoc Podcast. Today around the table we have... Jenny Carlin, I'm an actor. Jersey Gwizdowski, I'm an actor. Jennifer Kerfman, I'm an actor and a director. And Kit Lavoy, I'm a director and a playwright. Today's episode was suggested by an email that we received from a listener, uh, Nick Walsh, who's a student at Ramapo College in New Jersey. And Nick wrote to us, I'm embarking on my senior year of college, and the idea of grad school is kind of at the forefront of my brain. So I was wondering if you guys could do an episode on that. Mainly advice for reasons why grad school is a good option or not, what auditioning and interviewing is like, what auditors are looking for, how to choose a program, and anything else that you guys can think of. Thanks so much for your excellent podcast and for offering such insight and wisdom for free to broke college students like me. Thanks so much for the question, Nick. We have done an episode earlier about being a theater student and what you want to do once you are enrolled in a theater program, but we have not actually talked about before the considerations that go into deciding whether or not to actually pursue a degree in the theater, whether as an undergraduate or a graduate, and how to choose the program that's right for you. So today, we're going to talk about those things. Nick asked specifically about graduate school, but we'll talk about uh, both graduate school and undergraduate school, including how we all chose our own training programs, how it has impacted our careers after we graduated, as well as some of the nuts and bolts that he specifically asked about, about factors in choosing a program and what the application process is like. Uh, So to start off, uh, we actually have, I think, a very interesting group today for this conversation because all of us actually have kind of different kinds of training backgrounds in terms of the degrees that we either did or did not pursue. Uh, So before we start off, uh, why don't we go around and uh, just uh, talk a little bit about what your training background is. I graduated from the North Carolina School of the Arts uh, with a BFA in drama. And that was a program I entered right out of high school at age 17 and uh, graduated um, and have been living and working in New York City since. I have a BFA in acting from NYU and I also entered um, right out of high school uh, into that program. And the reason that I picked NYU is because I was looking for a, uh, a program that had a really good balance of conservatory style acting training and a really strong liberal arts education uh, component to the to the degree. I actually did not uh, get a degree in theater. I went to Fordham University and my BA is in communication and media studies. I took a couple of theater classes there but I don't have uh, a formal undergrad degree in in theater and my training is mostly in classes that I took and actually through Cry Havoc after the fact. I also went to Fordham University as an undergrad although a few years before Jenny did and uh, also did not uh, get a theater degree from Fordham. I was a political science major and a pre-law student, actually. And then I went and got my Master's of Fine Arts in directing from the Actor Studio Drama School at New School University after 
taking a year off following my bachelor's degree. And I do think it is worth mentioning that all of us are working professionals who have a career and have gotten work and have made money uh, at our chosen disciplines, even though we come from very different kinds of training backgrounds. And I do wonder from you guys, how do you think your particular training background in terms of the degree that you did or did not pursue has impacted your career? Well, it's hard to say for sure what I would have done otherwise, or that I necessarily knew this was the case at the time that I made the decision. But I, I imagine that if I'd gone to a liberal arts school, that pursuing a master's degree after graduation would have been something uh, that I considered with greater weight right upon graduation or maybe a couple years after. But I feel like the emphasis on the, the work in a conservatory setting where out of a full day, the vast majority of it was spent in arts classes, in rehearsal, I got the tools to pursue a career in the theater and it, the, you know, acting in general within those four years. Yeah, um, I agree that if I if I'd been studying in a less of a conservatory kind of a, a circumstance, I probably would have felt the need to go to grad school earlier. I was definitely looking for that kind of training, but I also went into um, undergrad as what you would probably call an ingenue, and I knew that the the I needed to get out of school and hit the ground running with some really solid training under my belt because I needed to take advantage of my youth in my career. And so I think that it impacted me because I went into undergrad knowing that I needed to, to figure out how to learn about acting, figure out how to use my own instrument as quickly as I possibly could, knowing that I would then continue my education and my training throughout my career, but really needing to get as much under my belt as I possibly could to get, you know, hit the ground running as, as an ingenue. Um, and I, I, do, I do feel that that has had a strong impact on my, on my career, especially the things that I was able to do, the jobs that I was able to do very shortly after I got out of school. Speaking of youth, I would actually add that the decision to go into a conservatory program for me was largely driven by the fact that I wanted to dive in headfirst because I was, you know, young and was not entirely certain of what I wanted my career to be. So rather than dip my toe into theater or double major or do a theater concentration, uh, once I had the opportunity to to go to this this program in a immersive conservatory setting, I leapt at the opportunity. So I, I figured like I would know pretty early on in the process if this was a career that I wanted to pursue, and I was I I, I chose positively, but I was ready for any eventuality after I went down there. I found that for me, going back for a an MFA after doing a non-theater BA was very important for me for one very specific reason, which is the training that I got while I was there. It was one of those things I had been acting for 10 years at that point. 
I'd been directing for five or six years at that point. I had done a lot of shows in high school. I had done a lot of like sort of local theater shows. I had effectively gotten the lead in every main stage show at my college when I was acting. And what I discovered in going back for training was I really had no idea what I was doing because I didn't have any training. And I knew I didn't, which is which is why I had made that decision that I needed to go back. I knew I had sort of figured some things out that sort of worked, but I did not have anything that you could really call a technique or a real fundamental understanding, as I would discover, of what acting even really was and what directing even really was. That all of this stuff I had been doing for 10 years wasn't really acting and I don't mean to say that because it was I was it was fun I was proud of it I think people enjoyed it but it certainly was not the kind of technique and skill that I would have needed to get work and have a career in the professional business and so to that regard being able to go back and get a real grounding in technique especially because I wanted to be a director and really needed to not only understand about my craft, but understand about my collaborator's craft, was very important. In terms of how much having a degree has changed my career, the answer is not nearly as much as the training that I got while I was getting that degree. There have been a couple of things, I think especially things like early career fellowship sort of things that I think having that kind of background was helpful in getting me to the top of the pile of that list. Certainly, I think I sit on the faculty of the Norwegian Actors Institute in Oslo, and I feel fairly confident that I would not have been asked to join the faculty there if I didn't have a terminal degree. But outside of that, I'm not sure that the fact that I have an MFA at the bottom of my resume has gotten me a lot of work that I would not have gotten if I didn't have it, that most of the work that I've gotten has been because of a relationship that I have with someone, a recommendation that came from someone, or the fact that the person is hiring me has seen my work. And again, I would not have had the skills to do that work if I'd not gone to school, but just having that degree has come into play maybe four or five times in the 12 years since I've had that degree. I feel like I had a pretty similar experience where I left undergrad at Fordham and pretty quickly realized that I had, I mean, I didn't have any training, but I I knew nothing about acting. Um, And actually at that time, I was still kind of debating back and forth whether I wanted to pursue acting or whether I wanted to pursue stage management. So at the time, I didn't feel confident enough to apply to grad school because I didn't I wasn't clear which path I was pursuing and then actually after you know I started heading more in the acting direction and was able to kind of watch and get my training through these other ways that um, I think kind of when I decided that I might want to consider grad school I kind of felt like it was potentially too late in my career it's funny hearing both Kit and Jenny both you talk about like not knowing what you were what it was that you were doing I 
was immediately taken back to a conversation I had right before I went to school, and I was with a friend from high school, and we were, she was about to go study at SMU, and I had this moment of freaking out, saying, I, what, what, what am I doing? Like, what is, what is this thing even involve? I don't understand any of it, or why people think it's something that I should pursue, or I had no idea what to expect. But I got that training, you know, in, in school while pursuing a BFA. Um, and I do use that training that I got more than that BFA. In a lot of programs around the country, especially conservatory programs, for many years, this is changing, uh, offer just the art certificate as well. And, and, and my alma mater still does this, that you can graduate through the arts program without your bachelor's degree, with a, a certificate of having gone through this program of some renown with this faculty. And that can get you very far in your profession in the theater. Um, Juilliard for many years did the same thing. It was just a certificate program. There was not a degree attached to it. And that's entirely possible. Uh, the benefit of having a bachelor's degree or a master's degree, um, but a bachelor's degree from a program such as uh, North Carolina is that A, uh, you know, the letters after your name or on your resume can prepare you for further study, you know, that is an option that's open to you if you have the bachelor's, that it isn't necessarily if you have the certificate. And also if you um, want to change careers or take your bachelor's degree and diversify, because although the arts aren't a, uh, a profession that in which a degree is a prerequisite, um, other closely associated or different uh, fields of uh, work are. And not everybody that graduates with a degree in theater ends up pursuing a career in theater for the rest of their career. Or they have a theater career for a number of years and then change careers. And um, to have that bachelor's degree equips you for that without having to go back to school and get it again. Yeah, my, my experience of, of my training and my degree, I think my degree has actually helped me the most in ways that, that Jersey was just talking about but not in terms of a, a change of career, but any work that I try to do to supplement my income, it has opened up many, many, many doors for me in terms of every other kind of work. The, the theater profession, you know, the professional theater work that I've done really has been more based on everything that Kit was talking about, the, the training, the technique, the relationships. But I, I think that a combination of having a degree and an education as you know a bachelor's degree and you know the education that I got alongside my training have really helped make me a better artist and also make me a more employable person in the world. And something you just said reminded me of that it is also I think worth saying that many of the relationships that have been important to my career were ones that were forged while I was a student. And, you know, those were ones that either were forged as students with my fellow students or with faculty members, or actually thinking about it as an undergraduate. Um, we were actually fortunate enough at Fordham, because it's in New York City, that we hired professional directors mm -hmm. to come in and uh, direct the shows with the students. And uh, I've actually, since I've been a professional, have been back 
to direct at that same student theater group, which is actually where I met Jenny uh, when she was a, a student there later on. But I actually, thinking about it, a, a number of my m really most important early mentorship relationships in the theater world were ones that were forged by professionals who came to direct me while I was a student as an undergrad. And speaking of New York City, there's a the tradition of training in New York City a generation ago was very different that studying under a master teacher or working within an apprenticeship model was was the the tradition and sort of the the path you know as a young aspiring actor you'd move to New York and you would study with the actors studio or with Stell Adler or with Lee Strasberg and in the decades since then those formerly independent entities are now programs within universities that have, as that has become, as having the, the degree has become a sort of more desirable or just become a more standard way of pursuing a career in any field. I think before we move on to some of these more nuts and bolts questions about the considerations that should go into deciding whether to study and where to study, we should define some of our terms uh, and things that we've actually alluded to a bit in our, in our discussions of our own training and own career. But there are different kinds of theater degrees that you can get. And there actually are different kinds of degrees, frankly, beyond the ones that we're going to describe briefly now. But sort of the basic kinds of degrees that I think are important to know and think about when you're trying to decide about the kind of program you might want to pursue is there's a BA and a BFA degree, a Bachelor of Arts and a Bachelor of Fine Arts. And the Bachelor of Arts tends to be about studying theater in a more liberal arts setting, where much like when I was an undergrad at a liberal arts school and studied political science, about 25 to 40% of my classes any given year were in my major and the rest were in other areas of study. And similarly, if you pursue a BA in theater, it will be a similar balance to that and there's real encouragement to study other areas of knowledge beyond simply theater. And very often in those cases, it tends to be, although it's not exclusively, a more general theater degree where you get a degree in theater or a degree in drama rather than a degree in acting or in playwriting or in directing. Again, there are certainly exceptions to that, but just broadly that's the case. BFA is a Bachelor of Fine Arts and tends to be much more focused on actual craft training and it tends to be much more of a vocational study than a liberal arts kind of a study. Many of those programs also have a liberal arts component to it, but the focus is much more about training in your area of, of theater, if it's theater you're studying. And those tend to be, and again, there are exceptions, but more focused on an individual area of the theater, that rather than a theater generalist degree, though there are general BFA degrees, but it tends to be a BFA in acting, a BFA in directing, a BFA in playwriting, a BFA in design, etc. Then there are graduate degrees where you can get an MA or an MFA, and it has a similar sort of split between them, where an MA tends to be a bit more of an academic degree and tends to have other areas of study 
surrounding it, uh, whether it's pedagogy, whether it's a specific area of academic background that you want to be related to the theater that you're studying. Uh, but it tends to be less focused on sort of the on its feet in action craft, though there are generally that is part of the study, but is not the sole focus of the study. Whereas an MFA program is a Master of Fine Arts and it tends to be really focused on study of the craft that you're trying to build. If you're getting an MFA in directing, you are taking directing classes. You may well be taking acting classes as well, but looking towards the ideas of understanding actors so that you can direct them. There also do tend to be some small number of academic uh, programs involved in that, like theater history or if it's a film degree, film history, things like that. But still, that's very much focused on the information that you're going to want to have to pursue a career where that is your craft. You also can get a PhD in theater, and those generally tend to be much more academically focused, where they're much more focused on uh, theater history or something similar to that. And then there also is an important differentiation between kinds of programs that fall similarly along the BA, BFA, and MA, MFA lines, but not exactly, which is whether it is a conservatory or liberal arts degree that you're looking for. And a conservatory degree, again, is one that is really focused on training at the craft you are there to train at, a real vocational training. Whereas a liberal arts, again, tends to be about being exposed to a lot of different things with a special focus on the specific area that you're studying. And in this case, in the area of theater. But again, with that idea of getting a broad education. So that's a broad overview of the different kinds of theater degrees that you can choose to pursue or choose not to pursue. And so let's talk a little bit now about the considerations that go into deciding whether or not to pursue a degree in theater. Well, I think it's important to remember something that was uh, implicit in our earlier conversation, but might be worth making explicit, is that there is a difference between studying theater and pursuing a theater degree. In my case, those things happened at the same time, although they needn't necessarily happen at the same time, that other academic pursuits in undergraduate or non-academic training are both viable options and uh, can really set you up for a fruitful and satisfying career. Another thing that I think it's important to remember is that there are some things you can get from training and there are other things you cannot get from, from training. That if you're entering theater study as a total neophyte, or with some background or some sense of what you want to do, philosophy and history and application and getting comfortable with your own instrument and your own work and how you are as an artist and what you're interested in and um, where your hang-ups are, that's all, all that kind of stuff you really can get in theater training both within and without a university program. What you can't get as much is the the practical application is the real world experience is the the things that that sort of idealized philosophical approach can come into contact with when you begin and throughout your career and also the specialization therein either career wise or sort of focus wise you know if there's a certain 
uh, specialized type of work that, that you end up pursuing or that you would like to pursue, often a general or especially uh, in the bachelor's level um, degree, is less focused on finding specialization and more focused on base knowledge and base curriculum toward pursuing a theater career. From what I understand, a lot of theater programs um, lack in kind of the practicality of the business side of, of theater, whether it be acting, writing, directing, where you, you spend a lot of time on the, the focus of the craft, but kind of enter the real world not knowing you know, how to practice that craft, how to go about getting an agent or a manager, what to do about headshots and resumes even, or what to do in the audition room. Well, I think that in, in a lot of ways, that's an important component of a training program is that you, I, I, I mean, that you need to have the work on craft. You need to know what to do when you're in rehearsal. You need to know how your instrument works. You need to know what to do when you have the job. And a lot of the training programs really are built for that kind of training, that kind of work. But then there is either not as a part of the program or just not as a part of certain programs any preparation for the career for the for the business it's really a lot of work on craft and that's important i think ultimately you need to learn both of those things but in a lot of cases the training program that you might be in is your best chance to really dig in and be brave and do that craft work and you you know that's the place where you can try things that you wouldn't try in front of an agent that said you are very likely not going to come out of one of these programs with an agent, like you said, that there's a whole other world of things that you need to learn that it might be a component of your program to teach you about the business, but it is not the primary uh, thing you can go into training to learn. It's actually something I think I have uh, alluded to for other reasons in earlier episodes, but I do remember getting out of my MFA program and I was offered assisting jobs by several of the faculty. And I, I remember literally thinking, but I'm a master of the fine arts. I I don't need to be assisting someone. I'm going to go do my own work. And then spent several years doing a lot of work that did not forward my career in any way at all. And I think that that's one thing in terms of what Jersey was saying about the things a degree can give you and can't give you, is I do think that it is a, a, a big misconception on a lot of people's parts going into programs, and even in my case, coming out of programs, that having the degree is basically launching you into your career that now you will have a career because you have this degree. But the fact of the matter is, the vast majority of people who graduate with a theater degree will not end up uh, in a career in the theater. Um, I mean, even again, I uh, went to uh, a master's program, which is a terminal degree. I am not that, that far out of that program at this point. I'm a, a little more than a decade out of, out of training. And it's a high profile program and I think probably only about 20% of the people I graduated with are still in the business. And on the other side, those people who are in the business and from any program that comes out, many of them, it takes them several years to really get their career underneath them. 
um, and to be able to be making money and certainly making a living at uh, this thing that they studied to do. And, you know, there are certainly those stories of people who come right out of school and get cast in that, you know, uh, film or cast in that TV show or cast in that Broadway show and things, you know, and, and, and they have a career from day one. But that is is much, much, much less common than the other circumstances are common. Which isn't to say that there is not value to training at all, but it is that idea that it is not a matter of you get your degree and you step out into the world and you start being a professional actor. I mean, there are some degrees, and this is certainly not universal either, but you get out of school with a teaching degree, you go and you apply for and hopefully get relatively soon a job as a teacher. Mm -hmm. A job as a teacher lower on the level of the totem pole than you will have in 10 years, but you still go to work at a school every day. Whereas there are very, very, very few people who graduate in May from a theater program or a, or a film program and are working in a rehearsal room or on a set consistently starting in September. I think it's a very important thing for people just to realize and be realistic about when deciding whether to pursue a degree as an undergraduate or a graduate that there is going to be a whole other step of learning how to be a professional that comes, that's basically your postdoc that happens after you've graduated and that it's just very important to realize that this degree is going to be the first part of me learning how to be a professional. and. It's not going to be this magic wand that will give you a career because you've gotten through the program. Those misconceptions about the value of the degree remind me of our previous conversation about union and guild membership in an earlier episode. That there is value to that association, there's value to that degree, but the practical application of the work is the thing that's paramount. And even if you are in the same way, even if you have studied theater and you hold a degree in theater and then your career path changes, in the same way that having that degree helps you pursue another field of study, also that training in the purest sense is something that doesn't go away. And a lot of programs, especially good ones, you know, the the work that you've done in the same way that I would imagine Jenny and Kit would both say about their bachelor's degrees in fields other than theater are applicable in different fields, you know, the the world at large is not as highly specialized or codified as you know academia. So um, there is value in the stuff that you take with you from your training um, that isn't the degree, no matter which field you pursue. And I will also say, when I'm directing a play and I have you know seven actors in a room, generally, unless I went to school with them. I have no idea who in that room has a degree in what and from where. Mm -hmm. um, you know, once you get out into the world, it's, you know, about the work that you're doing. You know, and again, the training is a big part of what can make it possible for you to do that work. But again, that idea of if somebody who never went to school is better for the part than you are, even though you just spent seven years doing a BFA followed by an MFA, they are still going to get the part. Yeah, and I think, like Jersey said, there there is a misconception about what the 
the degree or the training program um, might might offer you professionally. And none of these things are a silver bullet. Exactly like Kit said, you know, you're you're really you're responsible for uh, taking the the training that you get and bringing it into your audition room, bringing it into the work that you do. Um, but with all of this, as you're deciding what to study, where to study, what to what degree to pursue or not. Uh, it really is about what you make of your own education, what you make of your own training and how you apply that to your your professional life after after school and how you continue your training and education beyond that. And I think for me, choosing an undergraduate program was was really about me acknowledging that I wanted to get this training as early in my adult life as I possibly could. But I also knew, based on my research about the program and everything, that I really needed a certain kind of mindset going into that program. I needed to know what I was trying to get out of it. I needed to be mature enough to learn everything that I could at that age um, in a program that might have been similar to what other people would, would do in a graduate program five years later in their life. And so I think a lot of choosing these programs at whatever stage is is about taking ownership of what you're ready for, how you can approach and and learn in the setting that you're going into and then it's up to you to do that in cl- in class and take it with you out into the world and i think that touches on something and i i i feel like i should preface this by saying um that i a have lectured at many undergraduate theater programs i'm on the faculty of one i have wonderful colleagues who went to undergraduate theater programs who i respect and if I were to guess about the trajectory my career will take is I have a strong suspicion I will end up on the faculty of an undergraduate training program. That said, I am also very skeptical of undergraduate theater training programs. The idea that anyone at the age of 17 or 18 will know for sure that they want to do anything is something that almost every 17 and 18 year old thinks is the case and yet almost always turns out not to be the case. I like to think I was a very thoughtful and serious young person who went to school in a pre-law program because that, when I was 17, was what I thought for sure was the thing I was going to do with my life. And it actually is something that I think in terms of choosing an undergraduate program and a graduate program and why to go back to grad school because, again, I could not be happier. The fact that I went back to school and candidly chose the specific school I did was one of the single most important decisions I made in my life, one of the best decisions I made in my life, because I needed intensive training to build up my technique so that I could compete and contribute in a professional room. But I also think that there is a very large degree to which a BFA program and an MFA program are functionally not that different from each other. You are taught most of the same things. It is a matter of the fact that in the undergraduate ages between 18 and 22, you are both going to school and figuring out who you are and what the adult version of you is going to be. Generally, when you go back to school at 23, 24, 25, 30, 35, 40, you figured at least a large part of that out and while you're in school you're just in school 
and that's and you're there to learn technique and that's what you're there to do you're not there to figure out how to be the adult you and study at the same time which is why i mean actually an mfa program could be two or three years long and you cover the same stuff you cover in four years of an undergraduate program except tend to get deeper down into it and so it is something that i do think for most people i certainly think it was true for me that to have that undergraduate experience where you're getting to encounter a lot of different things and then being able to bring those things that you learned into your knowledge of the world and training at a master's level i think is something people should think seriously about again I love working with undergraduates. There are many people, including people at this table, who studied theater as an undergraduate and and, and are, are fantastic professionals. But there also is candidly something in my mind that if you want to be an artist, you need to think, you need to have a point of view. You need to think things about the world. And you need to know about the world in order to think things about them. Um, in order to do work that is really valuable to other people to watch. And the fact of the matter is the two people who I'm sitting here with today who did do their BFAs uh, as an undergraduate also are two of the most curious people and most voracious readers that I know that they got that from other places. But there are plenty of people who I went to grad school with who had done undergraduate uh, degrees um, in the theater or people just that I know out in the world who the only thing they can talk about is what it's like to be in a rehearsal room. And since your role as a director or a writer or an actor is to bring the experience of diverse people to an audience, I think just knowing about the world, it's not a matter of deciding I'm going to study a liberal arts degree and then go to an MFA program and saying I'm going to put off my training to be an artist until I'm 23. Part of what it's saying is I'm taking seriously the part of my training of being an artist that's about getting to know about the world. Mm -hmm. I mean, the the crafts or any art fundamentally is about uh, you know communication of ideas, philosophies, points of views, and experiences. Um, so it's incredibly valuable to have some ideas, philosophies, points of views, and experiences <laughs> to fill that container, you know, so that you're just not walking around with a real fancy empty container of stuff. Um, <laughs> totally. Uh, and, 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 and that can often be the case um, or uh, with, with undergraduate programs just because it's so all, all one is doing is describing one's container rather than, than filling it with other stuff. So I think it's incumbent upon you whether, with, whether you're in the, a program that is theater focused or not. And again, this goes back to what Jen and Kate were saying earlier that you're responsible for your own training. Um, you're responsible for the, the path your career will take and you're responsible, you're, you're responsible for, for how you use it and to know what you're getting into when you enter a program, whether it's theater focused, whether it's another, another major or whether it's not a university program, to know what you're gaining and what you're losing and what it is incumbent upon you to find for yourself whatever your training environment may be. And I think it's important to realize too that if you don't go to undergrad studying theater, you can still do theater in college. There's, I mean, I think every single college and university has a theater, you know, a, and, you know, a student-run theater organization or, or whatever it is, but you can still be involved in the theater without choosing to study it. There's no program that's going to give you everything that you need. And so 
doing, you know, pursuing whatever training and education is going to best serve you and knowing that you're going to have to supplement that by seeking out the student theater in your, you know, in your undergraduate program or by seeking out career training uh, after you've trained in craft or whatever it is, but taking and reading books and taking other classes and learning more about the world and reading the newspaper, that, that all of that, those are your responsibilities and you're looking for a program that's going to give you as many of those things as, as are right for you, but having the maturity to recognize what what not only what you need, but also how it's a match with that program, and then what else you have to seek out beyond that. And I think it's just so important to embrace the idea that when you are deciding, am I going to pursue a theater degree as an either a graduate or an undergraduate, is do you want to go to train to be an actor or a writer or a director? As Jenny said, there are opportunities to be in plays, to direct plays, to write plays at virtually every college, no matter what your major is. If you think, I like doing plays and therefore I should study theater in college, that is not necessarily a match. Because what studying theater means and training means is, I think actually a lot of people have a misconception, I do, which is like, I know about acting. I will now go to school and they will make me better on top of that stuff I know. And that is generally not the way it goes. Generally, they will bulldoze down everything you thought you knew about theater. That it isn't about giving you nifty new things to put on top of what you know, but for the most part, most training programs, and candidly, because most training programs are built on a philosophy about what they think acting is, directing is, writing is. I mean, they generally come from the same pool of American theater backgrounds. There's similarities. But for the most part, it's not about, oh, let me help you with your technique of, you know, your vocal technique. It really is about, oh, that thing you thought acting was? No, that's not what acting is. To, like, the most fundamental level. Which, again, to me, is one of the very greatest gifts that I got in my entire life. It was also harrowing for the first year that I was in school that this thing that I thought I'm going to go to get a master's degree in this thing because I look around me and all of these other people, I'm better at it than they are. And therefore, I should go and study this. And then I went with people who I looked up who they were and they were people I respected and couldn't wait to get in the room with them. And what they were just saying was, no, please, God, stop <laughs> that thing you're doing. That is not actually acting. That is not actually directing. And that, I think, is a virtually universal experience for people who are in a theater training program. Again, the greatest gift of my professional life was that year and the two years that followed when they then, they then gave me the tools that I use every single day in rehearsal. But if you think I like doing plays and so I'll do a theater degree so I can keep doing plays... That's not what pursuing a theater degree is about. And if you're going to decide to do one, it should be because you want to be trained, because you want to be worked. It's like going to the gym and no pain, no gain is, uh, is, is, is the rule of the day. And it's going to be challenging and hard and challenge the things that you think you're good at. But that's how you walk out better at them. But 
again, if you're going to decide to pursue a degree, it should be because you want to have that experience. And that's true if you're studying as an undergrad, it's true if you're studying as a grad student, and it's even true if you're studying as a grad student who has already done an undergrad degree. And as someone with an undergraduate degree, with a BFA, when it came time for me around my senior year to decide whether or not, or in the first couple of years out of school, whether or not to pursue graduate study, I decided not to for, I think, largely the reason that Kit said, hey, I'd taken such intensive and immersive classes. I wanted, as Jenny mentioned, the practical application in my career um, and to test those things that I'd been working on for four years. Um, and then in the first couple of years of my career, it was still something I kept in mind. Um, and I think uh, it's, you know, pursuing graduate school is not something I've closed the door on, but at this point it would be for something highly specialized in somewhat of a different career direction or in a completely different career direction. Um, at this point, I, I can't imagine that I would go to grad school for acting where I'm at in my career. For me, I... I think I, because of what I said earlier that I was, I wanted to get started professionally as young as I possibly could, I chose an undergraduate program with the hope that I could get as much out of that training as possible and not need to go to grad school afterwards. But like Jersey said, it was, I, you know, for the first few years of my career, it was still on the table, um, but wanting to get out and see how the training that I had served me. Um, but that's because I'd had, you know, sort of, I had done sort of a conservatory training kind of, um, you know, that was my background. And so I needed to see how that wore on me and how that wore in the professional world. And ultimately I, w I was, Frankly, I was glad to feel that I could find additional training through the other, you know, through Cry Havoc, through other classes in New York City, through working professionally that made it, made it seem to me that I could continue to build my craft after undergrad without needing to invest in the three years and many, many, many dollars of a grad school MFA program. I also think it's interesting to note, and you mentioned it earlier, in terms of being an ingenue type, of really being able to kind of take a look at your type as an actor and to figure out, you know, is it beneficial for me to step away from a career, a possible career for three years if you're, you know, for example, the ingenue type where you're going to get work looking young. If, you know, if you have a, a type, we know people who... Uh, and this happens with men a lot, but who kind of grow into their type of like a lawyer or a father or whatever it is where they kind of have time early on where they can take the time and go get additional training. But sometimes it's really, really important to get out there and supplement your, you know, to be always working on your craft, uh, taking classes and stuff, but uh, to get into the world when your type is right for it. I think, as with many of the things we've been discussing today, deciding whether or not to pursue a master's degree once you already have a undergraduate theater degree um, comes down to what is gained and what is lost by making either decision. Meaning, if I could go back and give myself advice then, um, I'd say you can pursue master's training you will lose some of the practical career experience. And so it'll be incumbent upon you to 
do an internship or to spend a summer in the city or to seek out advice and counsel from other people or to know that you're going to be less prepared for that aspect of your career and that if you decide not to pursue a master's degree in theater that you will um, earlier on immerse yourself in the career and learn those things practically about your career um, but you might be behind with respect to theory and history and some academic stuff and more specialized and intensive um, aspects of theater that you may have gained in, in um, a master's program. Um, more hands-on approach, more mentorship um, is something you know that is the gain. Um, so again it's about what responsibilities are on you, which choice you decide to make. And on the other hand, if you, you know, if you're coming from a, a program, an undergraduate program that is not a theater program or has not been really immersive in, in training, uh, you know, craft training, we, you know, you really, you really going into grad school might provide you that base of training and technique that you have not yet gotten. And so recognizing you know what what are the tools you're coming out of your your undergraduate program with and uh if you if you need to seek out that training sometimes a formal program is going to give you um the you know the best basis of training now that you are out of school an adult a little bit more familiar with yourself you you know you're out in the world a little bit and uh can maybe take the time away to really really focus on craft still knowing that there will be other things that you, you know, will need to learn once you're out in the professional world. And one thing that I would recommend, I think without exception in terms of considering graduate school, is take at least one year between undergrad and grad school. I know when I was a student and also when I've been back teaching at graduate schools, there is a palpable difference between the people who even took one year in between and people who didn't. Because the people who went directly from undergrad to grad school, it's to some degree an obligatory continuation of your education. Whereas people who have been out there for at least a year, which is what I did, and, and I, you know, I know people who took much more than a year and understand you know, if they've been out in the business a little bit and understand the realities of it, but even if not, to know what it is to be responsible for your own rent and to have to, you know, have an apartment and all of the things that it means to be an adult, those people who have had at least a year doing that just tended to have an entirely different kind of focus that went behind their decision to go back into school to train than people who stayed in school to train some more. And mm -hmm. I also imagine really helped them pick the program that they wanted to go to. They got out into the real world and kind of knew, found out what it was that they were lacking and, and kind of could then focus on what programs could help fill that gap for them. Well, let's talk about what are the considerations that go into choosing the right program for you? Well, as I, as I said earlier, I think there's an element of self-diagnosis in picking the program. It's what are my strengths, what do I need, and that, of course, as you grow up and get better uh, at knowing yourself and being a grown-up person in the world, um, gets easier. Um, sometimes you're doing that while you're in a school, in school, in a program. But for myself, I knew that I didn't know what I was doing and that I wanted to know. 
and I had the opportunity to study at an intensive, immersive, difficult program, and so I took it because I knew that I would learn a lot about the work, but also about myself. If it was something that I took to, if it was something that I was interested in, both of those things turned out to be true, and it turned out that that type of program for where I was at in my life and where I most needed to focus on in training were very complementary. That worked out for me. I was lucky in that way, although if it hadn't been the case, I was prepared for that to be the case. And you would have known pretty early on. And I would have known pretty early on. My experience of choosing my undergraduate program, um, the, the experience of choosing was a lot of how I managed to define what I was looking for and my philosophy heading into school in a lot of ways. Learning about the difference between a BA program and a BFA program uh, you know, which I had no idea when I decided I wanted to study theater in college. I had no idea what the difference was there. And so going and, and looking at a bunch of different schools and figuring out what, you know, in my case, the, the difference between a conservatory training or a non-conservatory training, liberal arts or not, um, but also uh, starting to understand not only what those are, but what I thought would serve me best, like Jersey said, my self-diagnosis told me that I really, I wanted to be able to jump in early, but I also really wanted that well-rounded, you know, offerings of other classes that I could take and other, other things that I could learn. And so I started looking for programs that had a balance of those things. And I think coming out coming out of undergrad when I was thinking about a, you know, whether or not to do grad school, knowing that, that it would it would be three years, the first year of which would undo everything I had just learned, I thought, okay, I, you know, I I need to go out in the world and find what what like Jenny said, what would be the gaps? And I think looking for a grad program, even now if I were to look for a directing program, I'd be looking for a pra the way that they practically work and whether that seems like a match for those gaps that I need to fill for myself. And also, what's the philosophy of their training? What, not only, you know, when I was studying acting, I had access to all the different Stanislavski techniques and all sorts of different, you know, philosophies of acting training. That would be a big part of it. But also, what's the what's the philosophy of the program? When I picked NYU, part of what I liked is that they said, something that felt like a fit for me. They said, we're not gonna hold your hand. This isn't a, a small program. This is a big program. It's gonna mirror what it's like to be out there in the world and you have to make of it what you will. That felt like the right match to me. The, the philosophy of the school felt like the right match to me. And that's what I'd be looking for if I were to even continue into grad school now. You actually, I think at this point in your career, if you were to decide, because you are, trained as an actor, were an actor for the first many years of your career, continue to be an actor, but have sort of moved towards directing significantly over the past two or three years. So the idea of if you were now to go back for a directing MFA, you do have a ton of practical information about yourself and the theater world and things like that to be able to identify those specific gaps. I think when people are going into an undergraduate program or going into a grad program shortly after getting out of school, they don't necessarily know what those gaps are, even if they think that they do. Mm -hmm. And I think that that idea of really looking at what is the philosophy of this school, and not just certainly read the website, but also 
do your research. You know, find out who the faculty are. Find articles they've written. Read them. Get a sense about how they think about the world and how it matches up to the way that you think about the world, rather than do you share an artistic philosophy with them? Because one thing that is absolutely guaranteed is your artistic philosophy will change once you're in a program. Not necessarily because the program will force their philosophy on you, but it will force you to take a much harder look at yourself and the way you think about things and give you more options of ways to think about things that were not even in your imagination when you went into that program. And so that idea of, you know, really try to find a program where they think in a way that gets you excited, rather than if the place where you think they think the right way, quote unquote, about how to do plays. Because candidly, actually, I had a conversation and I've had similar conversations relatively recently with actors who, you know, I have really recommended you should go back to grad school, not because they have no technique or philosophy, but because they have built up a very strong technique and philosophy that is not working for them at all. And, you know, that that idea of people who really think they know what works for them and don't actually know what works for them. So, you know, again, that idea of embrace, you know the kind of person you are and you can get by reading about the program, reading about its faculty, reading things by its faculty, kind of how they think about the universe. And if it feels like an exciting place for you to be, those are people who have spent 20, 30, 40 years of their career thinking about the world the same general way you do and figuring out what is the technique that works for people who think about the world that way. I also think it's an interesting opportunity. We know a couple of people who uh, are, are heading off to grad school now and what they said about it was, and I think it was after they had applied, but they were able to go in and sit in on classes. And it was something that really kind of helped solidify for them the way the professors were talking, the way that the students were able to interact in the class that kind of helped them feel out the kind of environment they wanted to be in as well. I also think it's a, it is a helpful thing to think about especially when you're talking about a master's degree, I think, although also an, an undergraduate degree, about what is the career you want to have on the other side. Because then you can really look at the student outcomes. What happens to the students who leave that program? And not just a matter of, you know, are they successful broadly or not? But there are a lot of theater schools, for instance, especially like in cities in the Midwest and things like that, that have very close ties to the local regional theaters and things like mm -hmm. that and feed people in. And there are people we know who went to schools that had a tie to a theater and they actually did leave school and became a member of the repertory company of the local regional theater. So for someone who wants to have a career in the regionals, which is a great career to have if that's the career you want, that would be the right school to go to and not Yale drama, frankly. Right. You know, not, that, that those schools don't have those connections. At the same time, if you want to be working in L.A. in film or in New York in the theater, many times, many, many times, most times, candidly, people who are teaching at those schools did spend some time in those parts of the business, but don't have the kind of direct connections that schools that are in those geographical areas are going to have. Um, you know, and also to really ask and to do your research about what happens to students when they leave 
this school. And not just, oh, wow, this one actor, you know, had a whole big career. People can have a whole big career for a lot of different reasons. But what you want, and I know actually the school you went to, Jersey, it's crazy. Like, so many people yep. that you went to school with have real working careers and are not necessarily the name above the title. A few of them are. But are people who you see on TV all the time, have been in five Broadway shows since they got out of school, all of that kind of stuff. And candidly, if you're talking about wanting to have a career as a working actor, it's not about finding that place that turned out that one exception. Mm -hmm. It's about really finding out how many of their students are really getting work. And that's going to speak to three different things, which you're going to want to know about, which is one, the kind of training they give, but also like where they're working. If their students are coming out or are working mostly in film, if you want a theater career, that might not be the right the right pro the program for you uh, because they feed people out into film. But it will tell you, A, what kind of training they have. It'll also tell you indirectly but in a real way about the kind of alumni and career services they have mm -hmm. you know because that actually is an important thing and candidly that is something I would ask about what kind of services do you have for career both when people are in school and when they leave it's a helpful thing to know and it also tells you a bit about the alumni network mm -hmm. because that can be a very important thing I mean I certainly know if somebody who went to one of my schools be it undergrad or grad you know, reaches out to me. I like to reach back to anyone I can, but those people get bumped a little bit to the top of the list. And I think that happens um, for most people. So anyway, that is something I know you definitely do want to look into who the faculty is, for sure. You want to look into the facilities, for sure. You want to visit the campus, for sure. You want to talk to students, for sure. All of those are things that you're going to want to do. But ultimately, when you're investing in especially a fine arts program where it's a vocational program, you're looking to get the training you need for a career. And there's a lot, a lot, a lot that you can learn by doing your research, not about what will the next four years or the next three years be like, but what happens to people once they're on the other side of that four or three years. Yeah, and again, it's the not an objective ranking, although people do that, you know, rank the schools and the training programs. Um, it's a subjective ranking. It's subjective to your needs, your desires, your aims, and uh, and and what you want out of your career, and what areas you like to focus on in your training. And in terms of the graduate, the recent graduates of the school, and I think that's an important distinction as well. Um, that you want to be looking at people that are graduating from the program now, as it currently exists, or in the recent history, not the movie star or the big theater star that graduated from the school. 30 or 40 years ago, because that is very likely, although in some cases is the same faculty in the same program, it's very likely a largely different school than the school from which that uh, star graduated. And if the current or recent graduates of a program are working, that also means that within the industry that the reputation of that program is strong. And that's something to pay to pay attention to, that um, although having the letters MFA, BA, BFA, PhD attached to your name on your resume might give you some sort of clout or, or, or uh, some people will notice it in the room. I think which program you attend um, can also help. Uh, though there are certain reputations attached to certain schools. I think sometimes positive, sometimes negative, but more importantly than objectively positive or negative characteristics that people will 
uh, associate with actors from a given program. Now, when you walk in the room and do your work, you'll be working in relationship to that, and they can think, oh, I thought all actors from X were super into their head, but here's somebody who's totally in the moment and working instinctively and is somebody we love to work with. Um, so it doesn't box you off or type you out in that way, but there are reputations to different programs, and that's something to look into and consider. And those reputations, candidly, are generally earned. I mean, it is something that very often an actor will come in and I have not seen their resume. I'm like, oh, that's an NYU person. You know, and not good, bad, or otherwise, but there are things that the training at NYU prioritizes. And you can see that in the way that it uh, comes out in, in the performance. And even some people, you know, you know, we know we do the uh, internship fair at Art New York every year for to meet people for our apprentice programs. And there are people from the moment they walk up the t to the table, you can tell what school they're from. You know, but it's, uh, which again, not good, bad, or otherwise, but it is something to think about that if there are people who you especially resonate with, either people who you know or people whose work you've seen, you know, that that come from a specific school, you know, that that might be a meaningful thing. And also something that can be a useful thing to the extent that you can do it is that schools do have showcases, industry showcases and things like that. And generally, they, you know, where they have the graduating students come and you know, be in a place where agents and managers and artistic directors and things like that can come and see them. Not every school does. Um, many schools do. Uh, and generally, they give priority to people in the business to come and see their students. But they also very often have open seats. And if you're really thinking about going to a program, it can be a worthwhile thing to come and see the students. And the question you want to ask yourself is, is that the kind of work I want to be doing in three years? If it is, um, and again, not good good work, bad work, but like, is that the quality I would like my work to have? Well, mm -hmm. if it's a quality that most of the people in that showcase shared, it's probably because that's the thing that that school is going to steer you to. And whether or not the program you are considering has such a showcase is something you'd want to look into as well. I think those sort of advancement post-graduation opportunities, much like the relationships to regional theaters that Kit mentioned earlier are something to consider. If having that initial big audition for a bunch of agents and casting directors is something that uh, that you'd really like to have, um, find out if, if your school offers one. Um, also, many graduate programs have not only close ties, but specific organizational relationships with theaters. If you graduate from the Brown Master's Program, you have the opportunity to audition for the Trinity Rep Company. Um, it's part of the deal, you know. Um, and as students, you um, have the opportunity to have smaller role, roles in those shows. And there are similar relationships with, with many uh, graduate programs that I think are beneficial for, frankly, the school and the theater. And uh, as, as, uh, as time goes on, um, more and more schools and uh, theaters seek those relationships out. So if there is an affiliation or upcoming affiliation, either official or unofficial, uh, it would be... Uh, it would behoove you to, to look into that as well as you choose a program. And it's something we've talked about in other episodes about sort of career building and your headshot and resume and things like that. But I think that it is a really useful and important thing to do to take responsibility for the fact that your career that you're going to have is your career. And to know sort of what you want it to be. I mean, there's a huge amount of that that you're going to learn through your training. But again, that idea of if you really want to be doing Shakespeare, if you really want to be working in the regionals, if you really want to be working in film, 
you're going to be much better off instead of just looking, which again, a lot of actors in the professional world will just run out and be like, anyone who will give me acting work, please give me acting work. Of course, you want to take what acting work you are offered generally. But that idea of you're much more likely to get the kind of work that you want if you know you're pursuing that kind of work that you want. And similarly, you're much more likely, and I think this might get us into the next section of our discussion about you know, your application and your audition and what you want to have in mind, but you're actually much more likely to get into the school that you want to get into if you're very clear on why that is the school that you want to get into. That it's not just sending out 30 applications to every school that gives an MFA in your area of study, but if you are really able to have know why each of the programs are ones you're applying to and be able to articulate that in a meaningful way in your application, you are much more likely to get in than if you are, again, shotgun applying with a general essay about how passionate you are about the idea of acting. And and my application and uh, audition process um, I didn't shoot, put out 30 applications, but I think I did about 14, and I was still figuring out what I wanted to do with my life. So I applied to writing programs, and I applied to uh, um, you know pre-law, and I applied to uh, drama programs, and I sort of let the process give me some information. I also went to this prep school, though it's highly focused on... Uh, you're getting you into the best place. And, 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 and so I had wonderful resources at my disposal um, at a young age to help me through that process, which was took basically the second half of my high school life was just about where I was going to go to school um, while I was doing plays in the meantime, which was fun. Um, and I hadn't considered, just because it wasn't an option that I think anybody who had graduated from that high school had ever done before was go to a, a conservatory. Um, although other people I think had gone to pursue theater, that my drama teacher in high school sat me down and said, really, as you're considering things, this is something you should consider among the buffet of options. Um, and I auditioned for a lot of drama programs, um, and they do these sort of big regional, you know, you go to one place in Chicago and all the schools are there. And um, that was the time when uh, I made the decision that if I get into this program, I'm going to go through the audition process, which felt... And it's hard to say because I was 17 and it was a blur, or maybe I was 16. Huh? Um, this felt like a place that was a fit, both through the relationships with the guys in the room, the two assistant deans of the school, the way they talked about the program, and also um, the way they were in the room and the way they worked with me felt different than every other audition I had from the uh, pool of schools that I was pursuing. Um, so North Carolina was a bit of a, an outlier within the spectrum of the schools that I was looking into, and I'm glad that I included it um, as an option because it turned out to be the best fit for me, which is something I learned through that process. I think having the different options and going through that process, even if you have an idea of what you want to do with a number of different schools, can be very, very valuable. I think that's actually such an important idea that when you are auditioning for people, you're also auditioning them for you. And, you know, not to go in, because ultimately they've got a lot more people to choose between than you're going to have programs to choose between. So they're, they're you know, definitely doing the choosing. But you are going to want to spend the next four 
or so, or three, depending on what kind of program you're going to, years of your life in this program. And, you know, I do know my interview, similar to what Jersey was saying, my interview at the Actors Studio is absolutely the thing that sealed for me that that was the place for me. And it was one of the most extraordinary experiences to this day of my life that it was an interview at the head of the directing department. It was Gene Lasko, who then went on to become an incredibly important mentor to me. We've, In fact, we did an entire episode about Gene and what he taught a lot of us when we were his students um, a few seasons ago. But we sat down and the way the interview went was he says good to meet you it's good to meet you too and i was all prepared for questions about why i wanted to be a director and all of the things i thought he'd ask and the first thing he said was what is the project you've directed that you're the most proud of that okay it was this production of julius caesar and he said all right what did you do in your first rehearsal it's like okay and i told him he said okay if you had it to do over again would you do anything differently Oh, well, actually, you know what? I do kind of wish that I had done that. So I tell you, okay, great. Second rehearsal, what did you do? Like, okay, this is right. Would you have done anything differently? And he said, all right, let's jump ahead. It's the second week of rehearsal. What were you doing in the second? And just basically sort of this Socratic dialogue of walking, which I could have was totally unprepared for. But A, walked out of it, and actually he told me at the end of that interview, he said, um, you know, I, I'm really impressed with the way you think about theater, and I'm sure that you will be offered a place in our class next year. Which I literally, I then left, and I felt like, did he actually say that? And so I was waiting for three weeks for the letter to come, not sure that I had heard him correctly, because it seemed to somehow impossible. But I also left thinking, I just learned more in that hour-long interview than I have learned in all of my time doing theater for the past 10 years. I have to be here. And it was such a great choice, but it totally had to do with that. But it also, I think, really speaks to the thing that they are looking for in an interview or in an audition is they're not looking for amazing actors or amazing directors. They're looking for students. They're looking for people who they can teach. They're looking for that thing in you that they say, I see they're doing 90% of this in a crazy way we have to beat out of them. But there's that thing in there that if we can teach them to harness is going to be so fantastic. That's what gets people excited. And I've been on the other side of that table auditioning students for things. And that's what gets people excited is to see the potential in you. Which is why I think when you're preparing an audition, for example, you want to find something that excites you and they you want to get up and work in front of them. Don't get up and perform for them. They'll be able to see through it. And candidly, if you're saying, hello, I am here, I want to spend the next several years learning from you, it is because you're not yet ready to perform in the way you would like to perform. So don't try. 
And I think that's also something to include in your essays for specific programs to not, you know, to talk about what you've done and stuff, but to also talk about what you really want to learn and get out of a program and why are you there to begin with. If you just go on and talk about everything you know and what you've done, then why are you going to school? And if you've really been doing your homework and, and trying to understand what they that program specifically has to offer, it's not just what you want to get out of a program or what you want to get out of future training but what you want to get out of this program. And then using your time and your interview and your audition to learn that from them as well. Yeah, because that actually is a very exciting thing. I know, you know, because we do have our apprentice program, which is not the same thing, but we get a a few hundred applications for the 10 or so spots that we have. And the, the when we're reading the cover letters and things like that, which candidly, the covers letters count for a lot more than resumes for something like this, which I think people don't necessarily realize. But, you know, where you read a cover letter and someone's like, I want to learn how to do this. And you're like, wait a minute, we know how to teach them how to do that. That's a very exciting thing for a school or a teacher who's looking for a student rather than someone who's telling me how great they already are. And I know it's something when I'm asked to write Uh, letters of recommendation for people going into schools, I always talk about what I'm impressed with with them, but always talk about what it is that I think they have to work on in their technique. And if I know the program, and and if I don't, I try to do some research about why that program is a great place for them to learn it. And I have written letters for people who have gotten into the very top programs in the country. So that idea that the person who's recommending them thinks they have work to do is not a strike against them. That's what the school is looking for. They're looking for students, not for finished professionals. And to embrace that in the way that you approach your audition, again, I'm going to get up and I'm going to work in front of them. I'm going to try to do it better today than I did yesterday because I'm still working on this thing. And when you're writing your essay, to write your essay about who you're trying to become and why this is a place that you think can help you become it. That's what they're looking for. They're looking to be impressed by the way people think about things, by how self-possessed they are about who they are, who they're trying to be, and where that gap is, rather than people who are trying to convince them that they should be on the faculty, which I have seen a lot of, of, of applications that feel much more like they're applying for a job running the program rather than they are applying to be a student at the program. I absolutely agree. Coming into the room to when you're auditioning, when you're interviewing, ready to work and you know, presenting yourself as the student that you are trying to be, the student that you already are, um, is is critical. It's also really important to be well prepared. And I think having having material that you have worked on, but material that you can bring into the room and continue to to work on you know it's not going to help you to come into the room in order to present yourself as a student and be unprepared they want to they're going to need to see how you already work like kit said how you think and uh so the choice of material should reflect that it should reflect the kind of work that you uh want to be doing the kind of work that you think that you're right for the kind of work that you um you know in terms of material but also the the way that you work, the way that you approach a role and be ready to come in and and get dirty in that audition and really come in, be ready to work in that audition and 
also to get to learn how they will work with you so that you're making sure that this is as much as an audition can be, this is a dialogue. This is a chance for you to learn more about this program, for you to learn more about the way that you work. Like Kit said, he learned more in that interview than you know in, in his whole career leading up to that. And this is a chance for you to, to make sure that this place is a fit for you. That reminds me actually of an interview at a, that I had at a school that I was not accepted at. And it has to do again with knowing what it is that you want because it was a school that I admired a great deal um, I had some connection to, I knew people who were on the faculty who had been, you know, important early mentors to me. And um, they basically accepted, I think, like 10 actors each each year and one director. And I had applied to the directing program. And But they asked everyone to prepare a monologue. And I remember standing on this stage where I'd seen a million shows and, which I, and doing this monologue. And afterwards we sat down to talk and they said, if we were to offer you a position in the acting core, would you consider taking it instead of the directing program? And I answered something along the lines of, if that's where you think that I would be best, I would definitely consider it. And I think that was the wrong answer. I was trying, I think to, I was frankly very flattered that these people who I had seen and admired thought enough of my monologue that they'd at least think to ask that question. But I have a very strong feeling if I was down in the top two or three directors they were considering, that actually would have been a strike against me rather than if I had said, no, I want to be a director. Um, and again, it's just that idea of knowing who you are and what you want to do and letting them see it. And I also think really, really, really critically, and it's something we've talked about, about auditions generally, is to realize that being a good person to be in the room with counts for a lot. Even when you're auditioning for a show where there's gonna be a five-week rehearsal period, you need to spend five weeks with this person. This is a place where you're interviewing or auditioning to spend three or four years with these people and coming in and being a nice, polite, engaged person counts for so much more than, you know, being defensive or cranky about the fact that your monologue didn't go how you thought it was. Be super nice to the moderators outside. You know, all of that comes back in because like, is this a person? Because they're actually not really looking for an actor. They're looking for a person. They're looking for, is this a person we can make into the kind of actor that they want to be, or the director or the writer that they want to be? That's what they are looking for. And so it's just so important when you're auditioning to know what is the kind of actor or writer or director I want to be, and try to be a good person in the room and show them and talk to them about it and give them the opportunity to talk to you about it. And to go into that room or interview or audition, and you said this earlier, Kit, to be, to be able to articulate what you're looking for and what you want to do rather than just generally talk about, you know, the passion of theater and how you must do this because you're so passionate about it. That goes without saying because you're applying for grad school. To be able to really talk about why this grad school, what it will, you know, hopefully do for you and all that kind of stuff is, is much more important 
in those cases. I think that's a good place to wrap up. Thanks to Nick for the question, and thanks to Don Zelitis, whose gift made this episode of the podcast possible. If you would like to adopt a future episode of the podcast, visit www.cryhavoccompany.org support to learn how. And if you have any questions for us, please send them along to podcast at cryhavoccompany.org or tweet them to us at cryhavocnyc. We have received a number of questions from listeners that are too specific for an entire episode, but we're going to be doing a listener questions episode early next season. If you'd like to learn more about the Cry Havoc Company, our public events, our educational programs, our free early career seminars, and how you can support the work of the company, including this podcast, go to cryhavoccompany.org. You can follow us on Twitter at CryHavocNYC or find us on Facebook as the Cry Havoc Company. You can subscribe to the podcast in the iTunes store, and while you're there, please write a review and give us a rating. It helps other people find the podcast. So for myself, Jen, Jersey, Jenny, and everyone at the Cry Havoc Company, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. You can learn more about the Cry Havoc Company at cryhavoccompany.org. Questions or comments can be sent to podcasts at cryhavoccompany.org. All music from this show came from the Podsafe Music Network at music.podshow.com. Thanks for listening and please subscribe.